0: Our first guest live on the Drew Marshall show devoted solely to the art of music, and this week's recording artist is Kevin Michael Kamsurk. Kevin is a Canadian American historical keyboard musician based at the uh, University of Toronto since 2003. His scholarship explores intersections between performance practice. Rhetoric, flow theory, and improvisation, and how these impact the spiritual, emotional, and physical health of artists and listeners. In practice, he develops applications for advanced musical performance in medicine, especially palliative care, exploring the relevance of minute interpretive variables, such as timing... See what I did there? Phrasing, instrument tone, and performer intention in developing complementary therapies for pain and anxiety. So, your name was brought to me by the good folks over at Bethel Hospice. (laughs) And because I said, look, I'm going to do a show on death, but I want to have, you know, I also have some music. Who would you recommend? And right away, they thought of you. So. To concisely describe what you do, first, let's, I've talked too much. Let's get this keyboard thing happening here. What, what is this that I, we're about to hear? What's it called?
1: This is called a, a clavichord. It's an acoustic version of a clavichord. It's all built from natural hardwoods. Um, from a friend of mine, Yves Beaupré in Montreal, who builds harpsichords. Can you say uh, his name again, please? Yves Beaupré. Wait, that's a her name or his it's name? It's a he. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's a very fine uh, harpsichord builder in Montreal, has a... History, uh, a long history in Montreal of building very beautiful, uh, very beautiful, sensitive instruments um, from living wood, and uh, he's got this wonderful uh, sense of sensitivity to the ways the instruments react to very subtle inputs from the uh, from the hand. Um, What's it sound like? Let's just get get a little listen here. I want to
0: want to dig this. Tim and I are looking at each other with big, goofy smiles. What is it about the sound of that instrument that makes Tim and I go goofy? What is it? What is, is it is it just because, ooh, that sounds old, like we should be on a set of some Elizabethan movie or Downton Abbey or
1: something? I don't know. A lot of people say that. It's funny. It's true. It has a certain kind of... Uh a historical vibe to it, just uh, just in terms of well, just the tuning of it and the and the and the, the tone of the instrument. But the thing that's really uh, that makes you get drawn into it is the fact that the way the instrument is built responds to these microscopic things that you can do with your hand. The Example. The example is little hesitation. So, for example, when I do a little ornament like this, a little spin.
0: Oh, that's, that's like a hammer on and pull off on that's a guitar. Right.
1: But I'm just waiting. See? I'm inviting you in. I make a little hesitation here, so I do a little spin on that note, and then I
0: wait. But that also sounds very Middle Eastern.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: right. What's that horn thing they blow that sounds like? Well, it's like- Spanish.
1: This is a Spanish, oh, Spanish piece. So the idea here is when Middle you get Eastern, into Spanish. Spain, there's a 16th century Spanish, you've got the whole Moorish influence. You have the entire the entire edifice of, of Arabic music.
0: I prefer if you didn't say edifice on the
1: show, please. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, anyway... <laughs> Yeah so so it's, you have all kinds of all kinds of uh, international influences in music from that time so it gives you a sort of a, a whole in in one or two notes you get a whole spectrum of uh, of different uh, historical traditions
0: what is it about this instrument that you think connects with people who are dying
1: There's a few things it's kind of the package it's the whole package it's the fact that the instrument itself number 1 It's very soft. So what it does is it invites you to become part of the music. So that's the first thing. Right. The second part of it is that I pull up right to the bedside. So I'm not only is this music very soft and it's inviting you in and it's full of detail and opportunities for the listener to become involved, but I'm physically right there next to them. So there's eye contact. There's an opportunity to be present with with the individual right at the bedside to go right in. To look into their eyes when you're playing and to say okay you don't know what's coming but neither do i no one around us knows what's coming we all have this fear that we carry with us that we don't know what's next Mm. a lot of people have the luxury of being able to put that 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 fear off and to go 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 off somewhere and uh, and try to forget about it the end of life it's a more pressing urgent question what is next sure. where am i going sure
0: okay um i'm trying to think of people who uh who i know who uh, are imminently facing death there's got to be a better way to say that anyway they're palliative uh and they it's coming it's coming at any time and most people i don't think would say you know what you know what i'd really like to have happen right now i would like the, oh sorry what's this called again the what Clavichord. Cla- clavicle clavicle Clavicord. Clavichord. Clavichord. Play with your clavichord. <laughs> Shut Thanks. up. I would like a clavichord to be brought in right now. I think that you know people. I don't think are going to think of no, that, right? No, they don't. What they think of is let's play Bette Midler. You are the wind between my cheeks, That's or right. whatever it is. Um, so, w- I, the the thing I like about this is it's otherworldly. It's esoteric. It's mm-hmm. something that is that is not the norm. It's organic.
1: What you're trying to do at end of life when you're looking at ways to triangulate relief from anxiety and pain is to tap into transcendent elements of your surroundings and what that means is is it gives you a view into a bigger picture mm-hmm. so we're not just focused on today we're not just focused on who i am my identity and my life my life story we're not talking about disease. We're not talking about even lifespan. We're talking about something that is beyond all of that. Hmm. So when you get into music that's delivered with a certain approach, you start to touch that transcendent awareness. And this is something that people use uh, spiritual practice to bridge, but it doesn't have to come from that. A lot of people use different bridges to get to that place, hmm. different, uh, different routes, but it kind of goes to the same place, and music is one of those bridges.
0: Uh, we're speaking with Kevin Kamasurik. By the way, his website is KK Toronto. Good thing your middle name isn't K. Uh, <laughs> yep. It's a totally different website. <laughs> KKtoronto.info. Um, uh, Kevin, is this what you would like to hear as you pass?
1: I would like to hear because
0: you know it's like sorry to interrupt, yeah. but it, like you do this for other people. So would you like someone else to kind of do the same thing you're doing for other people, or would you like someone to come in with a set of bagpipes?
1: No, it doesn't Tim have to. Tim be, can do Well, that. no, it doesn't have to be clavichord. It can be bagpipes. So I, you know, one one of the most important things to me when I'm teaching students is it's not. What they play, it's not the piece they play. It's not the instrument they play. It's what part of themselves do they bring to the table when they play.
0: Because you think that's... That's, um, that's the part that touches the transcendent experience. But you, think, you think that that can be picked up on. Yeah, absolutely. So the person playing's mindset, the space they're in, it. That's it. that can be picked up on.
1: Absolutely. But you've got to tune people in because our world is really dialing us up to ignore that part of yeah,
0: ourselves. Yeah, good point. Okay, way too much talking on the Drew Marshall show as usual. We've got to hear this thing otherwise known as a clavichord. Uh, can you tell us about the song you're about to play, or do you just call it, you know, piece number
1: three? No, no, this is a piece by a Spanish composer uh, named Antonio de Cabezón, and he was born in 1510. Was
0: he born in Barcelona?
1: No, he was not. Ibiza? Ibiza? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what he, was the year? Uh, 1510.
0: This song was written in 15? This, no.
1: This, this song was written in about 1540. Wow. 1540. How do you know that for sure? Well, you know, I... I dabble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I love love this. Kevin Komasurik here on the Drew Marshall Show. Have a listen, folks. say, clapping at the end of something like that feels weird, right? It kind of wrecks the whole serenity, so sorry about that, but that's kind of what we do on the show. It's, all right. it's, we're just, it's just out of habit. Okay, um, I, I just want to let everyone know, first of all, you're listening to The Drew Marshall Show. We're doing an entire show today on death, and uh, we're going to talk uh, to many guests over the next uh, few hours about the subject of death. And uh, you've just heard a piece um, written in the 1500s by some Spanish guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, by uh, Kevin Kamasurk. KKtoronto.info is his website. And uh, Kevin is a Canadian-American historical keyboard musician based at the University of Toronto since 2003. Kevin, um, I guess I have a number of questions that came out uh, of my brain while you were playing that. First of all, um, the I think people associate that instrument and that style of playing... With with churchy stuff, is that? How do you feel when people associate it with that?
1: There's no liability <laughs> when you're looking at uh, uh, spiritual music. I mean, there's there's two aspects to it. There's there's in spiritual music there's the the, the cultural element of that, which is roughly equivalent to ourselves and our physical bodies. Right. Okay, right. And then there's the transcendent element which is not specifically related to the religious tradition one may be associated with, nor is it related to who you are as a person. So there is, in my view, the perspective that I take is with this music is, yes, it has this association with a certain tradition just as much as you or I have an association with a certain ego identity, but that doesn't mean that there isn't anything beyond that. And what we're trying to do is use this music as a way to get, in touch with that part of yourself yeah so yes it kind of reminds you of church but it doesn't have to stay there
0: no well but what i'm saying is that people may go oh this would be awesome palliative music because the person's about to die and they may associate this kind of music with you know god stuff with churchy stuff with i'm coming home stuff
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some people might connect to it at that level. But I play this piece for people from a lot of different cultural traditions. And one thing that's actually helped by not using music that is maybe so well-known by people is they can kind of look at it. They attach their own stuff to it. Exactly. And they can project whatever particular meaning they have to it. Um,
0: When I am flicking through, when I need to work and really focus, I have to have classical music playing in the background. Because Mm -hmm. it it numbs a part of me that, that allows me to get distracted easily. So my mind goes there, and then I'm able to focus on what I need to focus on. And I tend to hunker down into either Baroque or chamber, but I I don't actually know the difference. Chamber music to me just sounded like stuff people would play in the toilet.
1: Chamber music really refers to anything that could uh, include a number of musicians playing together, whereas Baroque speaks to a specific historical period. Um, And so chamber music can be... You know, it can, it can span uh, a much wider range of time than if you say Baroque, then you're really talking about an 18th century uh, 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 historical period, um, pretty well ending sort of the mid, middle of the 18th century. But so. I,
0: I tend to hear these sorts of instruments. That I, this, I'm just slaughtering this conversation. No, I'm worry, so sorry. I'm, I know I'm offending you some way. It's no, my gift. No, no. Um, I hear these instruments in those, on those two channels a
1: lot hmm Is that... Well, yeah, would I hear is, more in Baroque? Yes, you would. Okay. I mean, you'd hear... You'd, actually, it'd be more Renaissance uh, if it were a clavichord. If it were a clavichord, you're probably going earlier, 16th century. Um, and a clavichord, because it's so quiet, I mean, we've got this terrific mic on it, so you can hear all the, all the beautiful depth and color of yeah, the instrument, yeah. but most of the time you know uh you couldn't hear this instrument if you were playing in a group let alone a concert hall so this was a chamber this was an instrument that you had in your bedroom this was an instrument you had next to your dining room table and you hire someone to play for you
0: now i know why they call it a chamber pot i thought you go yeah because it's in the bedroom right it's okay never mind
1: so harps, a harpsichord, you get harpsichords, which is kind of like a, the granddaddy of this, which is much, much louder. And yes, you put that in chamber music with strings and so right. on. And a lot of the periods uh, can overlap. You can play that instrument. We
0: uh, we had, the closest we've had to something as awesome as this instrument in here are two things. One... Uh, uh, God, I can't remember, never, never remember his name. This sitar player came in and wasn't that a cool instrument? That was crazy cool. And so light, I thought it'd be heavy, but it was crazy light. And Sarah Featherstone came in, who's a brilliant instrumentalist, uh, plays a, a number of different styles of harps, as well as the wooden whistle and, and fiddle and violin. I don't know, she plays everything. But when she brought her harp in and played, man, it, this stuff just transports.
1: Oh, yeah, and you know it's so, so much motive. Oh, absolutely. But it also it, a lot of it has to do with the person and what part of themselves they're bringing to the table.
0: All right, Kevin, um, another piece, please, if okay, we may. Sure thing. Set this one up for us.
1: This is a piece by François Couperin. Who, uh, Wait, I want to learn how to say buddy's name All here. right, François. François. Yes, there you go. It's like foie gras. Foie gras, yeah, something like that. Uh, <laughs> couperin, more ethical. Though. <laughs> uh, couperin. Couperin, yeah, you got it. That's it. François Couperin. Voilà. Okay. Very good. All right. Good job.
0: So we've gone from Spain to France.
1: We've gone to, from Spain to France, and we're kind of in the middle of the seventeenth, uh, sort of late 17th, early 18th century. Oh, so this is more and like pop later. modern
0: music, then, yes, compared to the last piece. Yes, this positively
1: we've... contemporary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, and it's called
1: again? This piece is called Les Barricades Mysterieuses, uh, The Mysterious Barricade. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. This f- totally fits in the whole palliative there, thing,
0: man. There. There I'm freaking go. out on this, okay? I'm a little boy. I love this stuff. Sorry. Tim's calling me a loser. You can't see it on radio, but he is. Again, uh, live on the Drew Marshall Show, Kevin Comissirk. Mm -hmm. so the hardest thing for me is the fact that uh when i listen to this i want to shut my eyes and go somewhere else but i got to watch the board at the same time and it's very frustrating just wanted to complain about something kevin comes here on the drew marshall show kktoronto.info i would imagine that you would you get hired out to play at various things with this or no
1: no i mean (laughs) uh, well (laughs) it's not really no it's bad uh, imagination Uh, I'd like to see my students, uh, get hired out to do that. But the, uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, this is part of my work at the, at, at, the U of T, uh, through the Music Health Research Collaboratory that I'm a, I'm a researcher with and associated with. And that's you're sort of the, the center where I build these courses and teach these students. Um, I do this work in hospice and uh, and in hospitals and palliative units um, as part of my work at the university. They support this.
0: Um, What I'm again realizing is that this is radio and uh, folks don't know what this looks like. So if I could be so bold and crass as to describe this as a Casio in a casket. (laughs)
1: Yes, but it's it's it's. Got <laughs> you hate me so much well, right no, now, okay. don't you? Well, the, the dimen- When I walk around, dimensions, in the they look and they say, "Yeah, they think it's a Casio tone with you know teen beat." Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. There you go. <laughs> But uh, it's so much more. It is so <laughs> it much really more. Is.
0: But I just the, the woodwork on that. I mean, as someone who grew up in the funeral industry, you know, I see. Is that maple? I don't know what that is. This it looks is, like uh, a maple stain. This but... is
1: yellow birch. Oh, okay. The soundboard is spruce. The keys are basswood. They're capped with bone. The <gasps> sharps are uh, made of walnut. The bridge is made of cherry.
0: The great thing also about this music is it's so old, nobody really knows how it's supposed to go. So you could screw up and we don't know. Well, that's true. Ah.
1: That's true it 's one advantage of playing a piece that nobody knows your, stu- know.
0: your students uh, could be hired out to do similar things with
1: s- yes I mean they, 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 when they when they go through the palliative curriculum with the fact of music, they get sensitivity training. I have mean, the whole purpose of oh, it is I to can help with stage that. <laughs> they get the stage music training, which gives them all that skill but you know stage music is a model that really builds up the ego and the idea with this is that you 're trying to get outside of that part but without losing all of that detail that you're gaining. Uh, as as a stage artist, so yes, uh, the idea is to get these stage musicians to see that there's other contexts that their really high level work is gonna gonna plug in and, and really help people out. And you know, this is really designed to help the music therapy community and all the other communities that uh, that advocate for music.
0: I'm sorry, I was distracted there because Tim is bothering me and wants to wants to ask a question. So, um, Tim,
1: do you? This may sound like a dumb question, but. Do you take requests? Does he take requests? Yeah, like this is, some, is your question. No, no, like if someone, that, let's say, someone likes the Beatles, or someone likes T. Swift, Stairway to Heaven, or by or someone be, in right. you know, right. Beethoven, or Bach. T. Swift, you know? shut up. Right, that's a different. That's a different model. I don't actually take requests, and the whole yeah, so idea. So sit down. I mean, no, no, no. It's a good <laughs> question. It is. It is, <laughs> Thank you, because Kevin. people need to understand <laughs> that there's different kinds of music interventions you can have in this part of your life, and and part of it is to when you're asking for a request, you're plugging into your personality. You're, you're trying to get into your narrative. And narrative has a really important part in how we feel and how we experience our entire life cycle, including end of life. But the idea with this is that we're really trying to get to this part of ourselves that really is not connected to any of that narrative. We're looking for a part of ourselves that is much, much more transcendent and, and broader.
0: Well, but uh, I guess case in point to what Tim is talking about. Um, these more classical instruments become popular when people use them with pop songs. Case in point would be two cellos. Have you seen those guys play? Mm-hmm. First of all, they're nuts. Secondly, they're playing these sort of pop songs uh, in you know with the, well, with cellos, and people are are falling in love again with the cello. Yeah. And I'm not saying you want you know it's not your motivation, no. but but you're you're talking about people's story and connecting with their story and part of their story could be a love of james taylor the beatles or whatever and if you could okay let me just get to a marketing point here can you guys put together an album of pop songs done with this instrument
1: because, guy, that would sell. Well, sure it would. I mean, but the goal here for me anyway is not really to, <laughs> not to make is money. It's not to sell. Yeah. I mean, the, the and you may well be right. And I'd love to see people say, wow, this instrument really rocks, and I want to learn it, and I want to take take it yeah. on the road, and I want to do all kinds Put of things. Put it through a distortion pedal. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are all kinds of... We, look, one of the biggest challenges that professional musicians have in our day is to find innovative ways to build on what they know and do. Mm. And instead of looking to the 19th century for all of those models, we need new paradigms, new yeah, frameworks. Yeah. And, and those guys are, are, are killing it. And they're doing that. That's what we need. That's not all we need. No, right? no, you're right. That's not all we it's need. It's just another, another part it's of another, it. It's another angle, for uh, sure.
0: Kevin, when was the last time you played for someone who was dying? um about five days ago can you take us through that obviously without any names uh what what was that moment like what was the situation with that person and 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 what was the response like the just bring try to put some tangible stuff on it for for this Mm -hmm. radio show
1: well this individual was having a lot of um a lot of anxiety um uh, this person was not uh very old um uh was not born in this country and uh had her family uh at the at the bedside and was experiencing a lot of uh a lot of fear i think one of the big uh, elements of suffering uh beyond all the ways that our uh our our day-to-day life uh, creates it is not really understanding what's happening and um, uh, so I think the, this kind of fear, this kind of faceless fear, I think was overwhelming this person, and there was a lot of pain involved as well so there was this um, there was no real reason this person should have known uh, what this instrument was, and again, or what the piece was, and it really the, this person at this uh, in this frame of mind was so far beyond any of those constructs that it wasn't time to tap into that so I started a play and the individual gave me a, she gave me a a thumbs up and a smile and she started making this very, she was very, very weak, but she started making this very gentle uh, applause uh, with her hand. she wanted to show me that despite all of the, the negative uh, experience that was swamping her in that moment, there was a moment here that was giving her some spark, some joy, some window into something else other than what was going on right in that bed. So, that was encouraging for me There was a lot of really penetrating eye contact and that doesn't always happen sometimes people are withdrawn so well, they look away mm. and one of the things you learn in in hospice and good hospice training is that you let that person look away you don't kind of go in but she really was going she was really trying to connect with me and at one point uh, she just started to cry and uh, so that that can be really challenging for for someone at bedside, like particularly kind of kind of look at what you're doing. On and the you keys. don't want to
0: drip tears on this fine no, instrument. No, you don't want to do that uh-huh. either.
1: Uh, so you have to you have to find a boundary there where you can be present for the person and not feel that you're uh, you, you know you want to give them a sense that you get it, you get that fear you understand it, and you share it um, uh, in a sense so this is the essence of of empathy i think uh is to be able to 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 go there with somebody and still sort of retain your uh center. And so there was this very emotional response from her and, and I kept playing and she, and she, and she smiled and that, that kind of tearful moment uh, passed, so the nurse came in and she got some pain meds and she was feeling, she was feeling pretty good and, and there was big smiles and, you know, it was, it was one of these very, uh, a very, very deep uh, human moments. Have
0: you ever had the, you know, the honour of watching someone as they pass? Being, being there um, no,
1: I have not yet, I have not yet would you and
0: want that or no
1: it 's an experience I think i 'd like to have i think um, but that's that's that 's an enormous gift yeah. for for someone to give yeah. and, and and we have a lot of uh, research that points to the fact that individuals can decide yeah. when, when it 's yeah. time to to go, and a lot of the time they want to do that by themselves. This is a walk ultimately <clears throat> they, they, they are doing on their own that we all have to do on our own.
0: We have time for one more quick song, if you if you have time, please. Taking us out of this first segment is uh, Kevin Komisuric with his final piece. Tell us a little bit about it, just.
1: Well, we're going back to Antonio de Cabezón and this is a piece called uh, "Du vient cela? Where does this come from? It's uh, it's an old secular song. You know, Cabezón was blind. Eh, everything he did, this is all by feel and touch, and his sixth uh, sense his transcendent uh, dimension. Hmm. So,
0: well said. Okay, thank you, Kevin. Kevin, it has indeed been an honor. I know we've, we're kind of jokey here, but it has been an honor. Uh, that was beautiful, and what you do is beautiful. Thank you very, very much for joining us today. It's a- It's a pleasure. Very much appreciated. Kevin Komasurik on The Drew Marshall Show. Okay, a very short break, and uh, when we come back, uh, we will be joined by Stephen Jenkinson. He is a spiritual activist, a teacher, an author, a ceremonialist, and uh, he was featured in a uh, documentary called Grief Walker. It's a national film board of Canada. Thank you for tuning in, folks. This is an entire show on death. We're going to talk about the goofy side of death, the serious side of death. We're going to speak to someone who is dying. Uh, and there's so many facets we could do a month on this subject stay with us